0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing and how it all goes wrong. Join us on our magical journey through a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope and I'm CT Kelly and uh buckle up everyone. This <laughs> is going to be a this is going to be a weird one. I usually start these recording sessions buckled up. Okay, okay. Like And just before we start, this is going to get uh like bit of a trigger warning here. There's going to be a lot of sex in this one. Cool. Okay. Okay. John McAfee was born in Cinderford, Forest of Dean, Gloucester, in the United Kingdom, on September 18th, 1945, on a U.S. Army base to an American father, who was stationed there, and an English mother. He was raised in Salem, Virginia, in the United States. McAfee said he feels as much British as he is American, and when McAfee was 15, His father, an abusive alcoholic, who John referred to as, quote, the negotiator of mistrust, committed suicide by gunshot. He later received a bachelor's degree in mathematics in 1967 from Roanoke College, which, subsequently, awarded him an honorary SCD in 2008. During this time, he made ends meet as a door-to-door magazine salesman. He excelled at this, as well as in his studies, and recognized confidence as being his most valuable tool. He began working at a company that coded punch card systems in the late 60s. This taught him the basics of early computing. Using this information, he landed a job at Missouri Pacific Railroad, where he helped the company use a newfangled IBM computer system to help calibrate train schedules. Fancy. While at Missouri Pacific Railroad, he began to dabble with hard drugs. He would go to work many days while tripping on LSD. According to Wired, one day he was sold a bag of a psychedelic known as DMT. Joe Rogan wakes up from his slumber Oh, just y'all wait (laughs) As Wired reported McAfee snorted a line of the drug Felt nothing And then decided to do the whole bag Then all hell broke loose He freaked out, ran outside And was found hiding behind a trash can (laughs) Quote People asked him questions But he didn't understand what they were saying The computer was spitting out train schedules to the moon He couldn't make sense of any of it he ended, up being, he ended up behind a garbage can in downtown St. Louis, hearing voices and desperately hoping that nobody would look at him. He never went back to Missouri Pacific. Part of him believes that he's still on that trip, that everything since has been one giant hallucination, <laughs> and that one day Shit. he'll snap out of it and find himself back on his couch in St. Louis, listening to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> oh, yes, because it was right around that time, mm-hmm. I guess. McAfee moved to Silicon Valley in the late 1970s. He held numerous jobs at various tech companies, including a stint at NASA's Institute for Space Studies. Mm. All while abusing drugs and alcohol. (laughs) It wasn't until 1983 that he got sober. He was working at the company Omex and found his daily routine to be snorting coke at his desk and drinking a bottle of scotch, according to Wired. Wow. I mean, it is the 70s. Yeah. Like, that... Very much common. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Coming off the coattails of the Nolan Bushnell episode, we know that's very common. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he says he felt alone and scared, and finally decided to seek help. In the 1980s, McAfee worked at Lockheed. At, at the time, computers were still relatively new. In 1986, the first computer virus hit PCs. He read about these new programs that infiltrated computers, and decided to start his own company to fight back. Hmm. At the time... The idea of a computer virus was almost unheard of. John capitalized off this, marketing his software with a blanket of impending doom. (laughs) Disaster could strike at any moment, and only McAfee could save you. Wait. Continue. What? Wait. No, 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 what? the word McAfee. Just wait. It's just like, I kind of see where this is going. McAfee Associates took off. By the end of the 1980s, the company was making $5 million a year and some of the biggest companies in the world were using this anti this antivirus platform. Ah. McAfee became even more successful, largely because of a computer virus called Michelangelo that hit the scene in 1992. McAfee called it one of the worst viruses to date, estimating it would infect as many as 5 million computers. At the time, computer antivirus platforms weren't a product most people bought. Thanks to Michelangelo, there was a growing fever to protect computers from the virus. Mm. Though only some tens of thousands of computers were infected, Michelangelo propelled McAfee to go public, and it turned into a multi-million dollar business. Wow. Workers described the company as having a, quote, cult-like atmosphere. (laughs) Here we go. With many working for days at a time, or even sleeping under their desks to appease their boss. Not to mention the sex contests. What? The fuck? Quote. Quote. Andrea would come in every morning with a bottle of Windex What? <laughs> and clean off Bill Larson's desk Because there was a sex contest going on Sex contest? You get points What? End quote Ow. Quote They had a group called Little Foxes They would give points for having sex in different spots in the office The hell? Even Adam Newman's like <laughs> Okay guys, that's a little weird that's for me A much A little much, little much. <laughs> <laughs> this made John McAfee ex- exorbitantly wealthy. What the sex contests? I mean, just everything. Like, right. Like all he he pioneered the first commercial antivirus software. Right, right, right. Two years later, he sold his shares, which gave him about a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Following his resignation, McAfee kept a relatively low profile. He would give young startups advice, lecture at Stanford Graduate School of Business, and also work on projects of his own. He's worked on two social network projects called Pow Wow and Tribal Voice, although neither hit the mainstream. Mm. In 2008, however, the economic collapse caught up to him. One report said that his fortune had shrunk from $100 million to as little as $4 million. Wow. By this point, he had written several books on yoga and spirituality, (laughs) including but not limited to... Beyond the Siddhis Supernatural Powers and Sutras of, Pataja, of Patanjali Secret of the Yamas A Spiritual Guide to Yoga Into the Heart of Truth A Journey into the Spiritual Heart of Yoga And The Fabric of Self Meditations on Vanity and Love <laughs> Says the guy who like does a line of coke and a bottle of jack every morning Right And starts the timer for the sex contest Ah, Delicious Delicious lemonade Only at La Casa de Swope <laughs> Only they, they only have lemonade here yeah. This is the only place you can get it Evan's actually an international International lemon magnate You know me <laughs> International lemon magnate Evan Swope God I... Okay, I did all of this research, and there's basically every line of this we could do like an entire miniature episode on. It was really hard to calibrate how long this episode would be, specifically because of sentences like this. Okay. John also invented a new sport he called arrow trekking, which involved flying a private plane as close to the ground as possible without crashing. <laughs> Isn't that how the the leadership dynamics guy died? Yeah, it is. Pretty like pretty all these much. Fucking idiots are all the same. <laughs> uh, upon attempting to popularize it in the states, he started a dubiously credited instruction school, which unsurprisingly was soon out of existence. Like a school, like an instruction school for the sport. Yeah. Like here's here's how you learn how to arrow track. But like the guy that. The guy that was teaching the school wasn't an accredited pilot. (laughs) (laughs) He was just some rich guy that owned a plane. Right. I feel like an actual accredited pilot pilot would have some issues with a sport that involves flying as close to the ground as possible. Which is, like, incredibly dangerous. Yeah! That's probably the most dangerous thing you can do in a plane. Right! He'd he'd also gone through his second divorce, with the mounting pressure of several lawsuits against him and with the economic collapse making his wealth more a burden than a pleasure, he began to seek refuge outside the United States of America. Mm. In the late 2000s, McAfee decided to sell his land and move to Belize. There, he met a young microbiologist named Allison Adonisio, who was in the area vacationing-slash-researching a, uh, a rare type of quorum sensing microbe found in the nearby New River mm. uh, that had the potential to revolutionize medical application. Intrigued, John quickly offered to finance the research. Allison quit her Harvard position almost then and there. John sought to produce a product that could be used all over the world. The company was called Coramex. But John's enthusiasm would only take him so far. Mm. John's eagerness, mixed with an unquenchable thirst for power, (laughs) very quickly deteriorated into a deep paranoia. Those close to him reported long diatribes about how he was being stalked or his desire to take over the country of Belize. <laughs> oh, no! Quote, My fragile connection to the world of polite society has without a doubt been severed. <laughs> God. It's like a serial killer diary. Though claiming to be sober, John spent the majority of his time at a location called the Lover's Bar, which was close to his compound. This was his gateway to the world of Belizean sex workers. <laughs> All right. John McAfee really liked sex. <laughs> yeah. And when you're a millionaire in self-imposed exile, what else is there to do? Right. Yeah. To quote one of the sex workers, quote, His, his sex had to last long. You can't <laughs> give him one or two. He wants, like, morning to day. You have to be in that bed from morning to the next day. And if you can continue till 7, that's sex for him. <laughs> okay, sex is done now. No, it's not. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, John is quoted as saying that around this time he was experimenting with a <laughs> with a bath salt called a MDPV, one of the most powerful aphrodisiacs known to man. I mean, that's that's why 12-hour sex is normal to him. Right, exactly. These these hard drugs... (laughs) Something John described as, quote, the most finest drug ever on a drug forum. (laughs) The most finest drug ever. This so-called, quote, perv powder is known for putting one in danger of committing molestation if they even leave their house, as well as a guarantee of sore genitals due to use. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't sound safe. It sounds very unpleasant, yeah, right. <laughs> Just some you know, something to pass the time, I guess. Well, it's the fact that it's like a bath salt which are known to be extremely dangerous drugs. Yeah, I mean, dangerous anyway, without the added you know like like Viagra on crack component they they affect they affect like they simultaneously affect your perception of reality and your impulse control, which is why you hear all of those stories of people like, Doing bath salts and then biting someone's face off. Right, exactly. Like there's no nothing in your brain telling you to stop anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's like the the drug has completely colonized your brain temporarily, yeah, which is terrifying. No, that's extremely terrifying. This is also likely the explanation for the tweet he posted on June third, twenty eighteen. "Quote: Whale fucking, no joke." Each year on February first in the Molokai Channel, a few men compete in the world's only whale fucking competition. The world's only. I'm glad that there's not more. <laughs> God I'm glad <laughs> right, there's no there's no NFL XFL yeah, for whale for no. whale fucking. Thank God. <laughs> Quote Humpback whales are easy to fuck for a second or less. What? World record is 31 seconds. Competed once. Almost got my ribs crushed. Stick with ostriches. That's not the world record. Like, he says it like it's an officially sanctioned Guinness, like, <laughs> yeah. attempt. They have, like, a uh, like an official, like, timing them. It's like, no, it's like, you just counted. Dude, like, to be perfectly honest, I think he's just bullshitting this. I, I mean, at this point, like, what is, like, who knows? And later, on uh, December 31st of 2018, quote... Enough of the whale fucking is non-consensual bullshit. A humpback whale weighs 70,000 pounds and is more than 50 feet long, can dive nearly a quarter mile underwater, and can crush ships with a single swipe of its tail. If a human manages to fuck one, you'd better believe it's consensual. What? <laughs> what logic is that? I, <laughs> I... This guy was born in, what, the 50s? Yeah. So he's like... He's born in, like, 1945. So he's like over sixty. At yeah, he's this point. very old. And he's tweeting about like whale fucking. Yes. And like, I mean, like this was two years ago. So these are word for word tweets that you're reading. Word for word. His command of language is surprisingly modern. Like it feels like a meme. Like it feels like like ironic modern. You know, we, we will humor. I know this sounds like a drill tweet. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll we will we will definitely talk about this later. Yeah. But he is like John McAfee is one of the most chronically on lo- like chronically logged in people I've ever seen. He he's always on Twitter and he is deeply immersed in the like Twitter self-entrepreneur startup Bitcoin <laughs> idiot scene. <laughs> right. We will die we will do a deeper dive into that later. But it's like it's it's surprising to me that he th- the his language has evolved to the point where it feels like a like a 25-year-old like ironic dude. Like it doesn't feel like a 65-year-old man. Like usually when you have like an older person writing a tweet you you can see it's like a little awkward right, like right. They don't have like they're not up on the times but like he's able to evolve which is scary. One thing you have to remember about everything that is going to come after this is that John McCarthy is an extremely charming person. Mm. Like even there's been a lot of like documentaries, and he says yes to like damn near any interview, right? Um, like he was on, uh, uh, you know, the YouTuber Critical. Like I don't think so. Okay, well, he has a he has a podcast called the Official Podcast, mm. and they got John McAfee to go on their <laughs> podcast. Um, and I actually I, I quote that I quote it later in this that's amazing episode. Um, so yeah he's a he's a deeply charming person Mm. like every time you see him in an interview he is he's he commands the space right right it's he's always the one controlling the pace of the conversation it's like the interviewer is always responding to him he's Mm. not responding to them okay and so it makes sense to me that he would be a sort of like linguistic chameleon as it were right totally that, and he's just so logged in, it's he's just getting this constant barrage of yeah. modern memes and totally. During this time, John was in the constant company of sex workers, many of whom tried to kill him on multiple what? occasions. <laughs> yeah, you have to, like, like, in a lot of the documentaries and articles that I read, they went really in deep to some of the, like, the stuff that he would, like, the stuff that would get him off sexually. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it. Right. Like... I'm, we'll link the sources and you can find it yourself, but it's pretty gross, so I'm not going to repeat it here. But it was enough for them to attempt to kill him on multiple occasions. Remember that he's in Belize, which is a very... It's like an impoverished imper, like, imperial client state mm. of the U.S. Yeah. So the, like most of the people living in Belize are very poor. And so if, if you killed John McAfee and took his credit card... No one would find out until you've drained it. Right. Yeah. It's like and John McAfee is absolutely the sort of person who has like two hundred thousand dollars in hundreds with him. Yeah, of course. And but I was just wondering, like, did they try to kill him like in self defense or like just to like rob him? I, I would say both are possible. Okay. They interview they interviewed one they interviewed one sex worker, um, and she was there. the interviewer was like it's like, you tried to kill John McAfee multiple times. And she said, yes. It's like, you know, maybe it's like... It's from how you're described in most of the media, they they paint you as a very violent, volatile person. And she like, without changing her face at all, she says, eh, maybe I am. <laughs> it's like, these are hardcore people. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Jeez. It's like... You read that in fucking comic books and like horror novels a lot. And yeah. you're like, Oh, they have the eyes of a killer. It's like, this woman had the eyes <laughs> of a fucking predator. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> just this utterly nonplussed, like, maybe I am. Yeah. <laughs> so what? Uh, these repeated attempts on his life by women who were providing him a service that he was ost- ostensibly relying upon only made him spin further into paranoia. John decided to take matters of the community into his own hands oh, great. Buckle the fuck up, everyone In the beginning of 2011, John drove 22 miles to the home of a man who had allegedly fired a gun outside the home of one of John's girlfriends This man, known as Berger, was not present And, the, and so John confronted his family until they gave up the gun in question His paranoia was in full spiral In order to gather more information from the community, he had an entire police station built in the nearby town of Carmelita, a town he thought to be overrun with murderers and drug lords all out to get him. Right. According to a Carmelita resident, John would assume an authoritarian persona. Quote, I thought he would come by and introduce himself, but he just started telling us what to do. (laughs) (laughs) Who who are you? Uh... (laughs) What is... Yeah, there's a there's a great documentary. It's a little outdated now because it was made back in 2007, but mm-hmm. it's called Gringo, I believe by MS, by, by NBC, mm-hmm. and it the interviews with the the residents of the random Belizean towns that John would pass through are all like the townspeople had this vibe of like ah oh, look at this crazy funny white guy yeah until it's not funny anymore. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John armed the police with M16s, pepper spray, Milspec uniforms and boots, and ordered arrests to be undertaken around the area. For a while, the police act the police force acted as John's personal army, even taking orders off hours, that is until his personal entourage of bodyguards became more and more diluted with gang members, mercenaries and assassins. <laughs> so he's hiring like he's hiring like real criminals, like real mercenaries yeah. and actual assassins. Yeah. To just hang out as his personal entourage. People who kill for a living. Yeah. Like contract killers. Yeah. <laughs> like really scary people. Right. Well and people that are way scarier than John McAfee. Yeah. You know? But like his paranoia has driven him to hire these people as protection. Like yes. <laughs> it's insane. John was quoted as saying, quote, "I am the only barrier between Carmelita and rampant criminality." <laughs> Despite the villagers describing Carmelita as no more than a typical Belizean small town. Yeah. Well, it's like, what crime are you seeing? Like, what is he like? He's probably still ha- like having DMT oh, hallucinations. They, I mean, I'm. It's not just DMT hallucinations. He's doing like. I am very. It's very clear that. John McAfee has done every drug known to man. Right. <laughs> like, I'm I am certain that if there were diseases with hallucinogenic properties, John McAfee <laughs> would have contracted them. We call it kid cuisine. We call it kid cuisine. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, then John became vengeful, showing <laughs> a, oh God, showing an outward antagonism towards anyone in the community who would cross him. I mean, might as well. In an interview between Okie's Weird Stories and one of John's former bodyguards, a man named Eddie McTen McCoy, Eddie stated thus. So how did you meet John McAfee? I don't even remember. It's, it, it is a long story. <laughs> <laughs> so does it have anything to do with David Middleton? It has something to do with that, yes. <laughs> After he robbed John McAfee's, one of John McAfee's properties, McAfee reportedly hired two hitmen to kidnap David, torture him, and bring him back to the village. David Middleton died only a few days later. Great. Now, this little incident landed John in more trouble than he was perhaps expecting. Yeah. One of Middleton's friends... A gangster by the name of Eddie Mac-10 McCoy is reportedly looking for John. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, there's a guy named Mac-10 looking for you. (laughs) (sighs) He probably just wants to chat. Yeah. One of Middleton's friends—oh, wait, I just read that. Afraid for his life, John arranged a meeting between the two in a public venue. John wanted to gain Mac-10's trust as, according to the Belizean government, Mac-10 was a gangster of the highest caliber. (laughs) To satiate his paranoia, John decided he needed the loyalty of Mac-10 and his entourage. So, basically, this, this guy, David Middleton, robs one of John McAfee's properties. Yeah. John then hires a couple gangsters... Kidnap and torture him. Yeah, David Middleton dies, and he, and so Mac Ten, who is friends with David Middleton, uh, is like, I'm gonna go kill this fuck. Yeah, but then John McAfee basically sits him down and says, I will pay you a lot of money if you don't kill yeah. me. <laughs> right, and <laughs> things quickly got out of hand. It me. It's like. Uh, like a Mexican drug cartel scenario but like but like on per like he's constructed all of this. Yeah, just out of paranoia. Like there's no actual trade or purpose to he's it. He's instigating all of this. Yeah. <laughs> and at some point in this story you might feel sympathy or like maybe even pity for John McAfee Yeah, don't. Okay, just like by how this story keeps going, he deserves nothing. Right, like he deserves no pity and no sympathy. He's a horrible person. He yeah. should be beaten to death with a shovel. Yeah, well, I'm surprised he hasn't been already. Me but... too. Several people have tried. Yeah. <laughs> including many sex workers. Yes. On the morning of April 3rd, 2012, the Belizean Gang Suppression Unit launched a raid on McAfee's compound. Quote from John I woke up at 6 a.m. to 42 armed soldiers pointing fully automatic weapons at me. See, the Belizean government had actually been watching John for some time now. (laughs) They didn't exactly appreciate the paramilitary organization. Yeah. (laughs) Or the secret lab underneath his compound. Secret lab? (laughs) Yeah, for all of the uh, the biomedical research that he was doing Oh, of course. (laughs) Well, remember we mentioned it earlier, how he met that biologist and he was going to make a drug company? He built a secret lab (laughs) under his house in Belize. Not (laughs) suspicious. The Ministry of National Security had reason to believe that he was making meth. However... I wouldn't be surprised if he was. It seemed that he was only making a drug similar to MDPV. Either way, it was very illegal. (laughs) Yeah. John only spent one night in jail due assistance from the U.S. Embassy. Oh, thanks, U.S. His paranoia skyrocketed. (laughs) Well, because of something he did! Right! all of this it's, is your fault, he's John! He's so paranoid that he does things that actually give him a reason to be paranoid. Exactly! It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> John would routinely claim to spot, quote, intimidating figures lurking across the river. Well, uh, why wouldn't there be intimidating? You're like torturing random people! <laughs> right! Like friends of gang members. Right, it's like there are gangsters actively looking to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Even recalling that at one point being held captive by armed men in the dead of night, which I'm I pretty sure is bullshit. Like, yeah. There's, why would you capture John McAfee and not kill him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he even claimed that he was on the run from the GSU, saying that they killed his dog and stole his passport. <laughs> now, this sense of paranoia was only heightened by drugs, but the government was absolutely keeping an eye on john yeah for good reason this is ex- this is expounded upon in the 2015 documentary gringo in which it becomes clear that john often conflates reality with paranoid delusion during all of the previous events allison adenisio the microbiologist was still working for him <laughs> she had reportedly grown exhausted with his constant antics and paranoid delusions and she decided she was going to move back to the States, leaving John and her lab behind. John did not take the news well, and allegedly drugged and assaulted Allison. (laughs) She immediately fled the country, but only narrowly escaped an assassination attempt likely put together by John. (laughs) John denies any wrongdoing. Of course. Gregory Fual was a Floridian who often spent time vacationing in Belize. He lived two doors down from McAfee's compound. He was also not terribly fond of John McAfee's dogs, who spent most of their time wandering around the beach unrestrained. (laughs) So much so that he threatened to shoot them if John couldn't get them to behave. It was clear to everyone in the area that they had issues. One night, reporter Joshua Davis received a phone call from John saying that his dogs had been poisoned. Now, given the history, it would make sense to shift blame onto a particular neighbor. Except, that same neighbor would be found, days later, shot in a pool of his own blood. (laughs) Belizean journalists chimed in, saying that Belize was a notoriously easy place to get away with murder. Apparently. None of Gregory Fual's possessions were taken, and he was killed by a single gunshot to the back of the head, (laughs) execution style. Great. John was now considered a person of interest. <laughs> I think he was already a person of interest. I, I mean, it's official now. Yeah. <laughs> Can log it into the computer now. When the authorities came to his house, they found him hiding under the sand with a box over his head. <laughs> he had been there for over three hours, convinced the government was finally going to torture and kill him. <laughs> so he, he literally like buried himself in the sand up to his neck, And then, like, put a cardboard box over his head to try and hide from the government. (laughs) He just looked it up. He's like, I can explain. Which is like... That is exactly how a crackhead would try to hide yeah, from the government. Right. <laughs> so complicated. Like it, it makes sense. It's like, like... In a weird way, It's but like, simultaneously stupid and weirdly clever. Yeah, I mean, it's like the logic of like an eight-year-old or something. It's, it's like... If I... It's like, that would really... That would be perfect if you were playing hide-and-seek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be like... You know like really brownie points for that Like you're super clever The only way that it could have been funnier Is if it was a big hat <laughs> yeah, Right <laughs> Just lift up like a big hat and there's John McAfee Like buried up to his neck in the sand <laughs> It's not what it looks like Officers Ugh <laughs> <sighs> His logic The Belizean government had put a hit Out on Greg mistaking him for McAfee <laughs> Did you get the voice crack there? Mistaking him for (laughs) McAfee. Sorry, sir. Oh, gosh. Sullivan. (laughs) (laughs) So, think about that. John murdered his fucking neighbor and then basically (laughs) said (laughs) said that the government did it. (laughs) And And it was paranoid because he thought no, him? John, John <laughs> murdered his fucking neighbor and then said that the government did it. <laughs> like, because they thought that his neighbor was him. So then he became paranoid that he, a hit was out for him because he killed someone. I He, okay, he thinks that the government is trying to kill him anyway. Yeah. He thinks that they tried to kill him, but got the wrong guy. But he killed that guy. But he killed that guy. <laughs> what the hell? It's... His sense of reality is is gone. Yeah, he's just, just delusional at this point. John went off the grid <laughs> and slipped across the border into Guatemala with one of his girlfriends, but fucked up immediately upon agreeing to a face to face interview with Vice. Oh, Vice! Interpol was tracking him the entire way. <laughs> yeah. And arrested him as Vice recorded the entire altercation on camera. Wow! It is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like the the vice guy is so calm about it yeah and like so they're they're putting him into the interpol van and the interpol guys are just like letting the vice reporter keep the interview going yeah. <laughs> right and so he's like like as they're getting ready to leave the the vice guy is like pointing the camera into the window <laughs> yeah and he's he asked him like like where are they taking you john he's like to jail. They're <laughs> taking me to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Any last questions? <sighs> John was finally being deported back to, de- back to Belize. On the way, he faked a heart attack to give his lawyer enough time to file an appeal for the extradition. He was instead flown to Florida, freeing him from the impending terror of the Belizean justice system. Belize is probably just happy to be rid of him. At honestly, this point. honestly, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just like, like I don't think they cared yeah, all that it's much. It's America's problem now. However, even if he was in Belize, it is unclear how much evidence the Belizean government would actually be able to compile. Their forensic technology isn't nearly as advanced, and John himself is well is well known for providing bribes. Yeah, <laughs> the current theory pushed in the documentary Gringo is that John hired Mac Ten to commit the murder. John was quick to shut down these allegations, suing reporter Nanette Bernstein and her documentary crew for paying those interviewed to lie. John then released a corrected interview with the same witness, who seems to retract the statement he gives in the interview. Nanette then countersued for the same thing. None of this helped, and John was ordered to pay $25 million for a wrongful death suit. Right, This... Fucking video, like the video that John released, is so fucking funny. <laughs> so, it's like Nanette Bernstein for uh, the documentary. Yeah, interviewed this guy who was like interviewed this guy who was like neighbors with John. Yeah, and <laughs> the guy is just like sitting in front of some random bodega yeah. in in Carmelita, and he's like, he's like, oh yes, <laughs> John definitely killed that guy. Yeah. <laughs> And then John releases this corrected video Featuring the same guy And he's like Everything I told you Was false yeah. <laughs> It's like I was paid I was paid money I Everything was a complete lie yeah. And he has the biggest Goofiest smile <laughs> On his face Because It's very clear That John paid him A lot of money yeah. To say these things He's and, just like Whatever Right man. He's like "I have No skin on my back yeah, man. I'll take the money Yeah <laughs> He's like, he has the funniest fucking shit eating grin on yeah. his face. <laughs> fucking Americans. Right? He's like, sure, whatever you say, crazy gringo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And then John still got sued for $25 yeah, million. Right. Like, it didn't help. And this guy's just like, this guy got like $1,000 or whatever. Yeah, he's the real winner in this scenario. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> So none of this helped, and John was ordered to pay $25 million for a wrongful death suit. In fact, he has over 11 outstanding fines that he has not paid. Yeah. John claims that they are all, quote, frivolous. Yeah, of course. Quote, They've all been frivolous. Even though the judges are required to decide for the plaintiff if I do not respond, I refuse to play the legal extortion game aimed at America's wealthy class. (laughs) Okay, buddy. He's one of these... Okay. Okay we go into it, he's one of these libertarian dickheads who thinks the rich are oppressed. Right. Like, well, that's why he's found his his people on Twitter. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Since then, John has denied any involvement with these murder allegations Uh and has has yet to face any legal consequences. (laughs) Whatever, man. To this day, he retains a strange sort of celebrity in America. He's prominent among Bitcoin and cryptocurrency advocates. (laughs) Course. In 2016, John threw in his name for a shot at the Libertarian Party nomination for president. a dee doo, a dee doo. Woo! He did surprisingly well. <laughs> of course. Although, lost to a lightning bolt victory by Gary Johnson. Oh man. And in the in the video I was watching about his vi- about his presidential bid, they have they they have video. From the like the presidential debates for the Libertarian Party. And right. it is the biggest fucking circus of idiot clowns <laughs> I have ever seen. There's this guy who's like. He sounds literally like this. You want a license for drive <laughs> You want a license for driving a car? Why not force everyone to get a license to make toast in your own dang toaster? <laughs> I can and picture then, that perfectly yeah, And he says like, making toast in your own Dang toaster And then the entire room explodes with applause <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, fuck yes The perfect metaphor <laughs> Fuck yes yeah. <laughs> Forge your own currency And this This guy, so he has <laughs> The guy saying this Has like this, he has like a weird Humpback <laughs> he, He's like Really skinny. He has like a humpback and this really long <laughs> and this really long bulbous nose. And he has like a really greasy Cat Williams perm. <laughs> he looks like a, a, he looks like if you made a cartoon character real. <laughs> he's like one of the silliest looking and sounding human beings I have ever seen. And he is running for the libertarian nomination for president and doing well apparently, at least in that crowd. <laughs> well, and like get. Like, after they show that clip, they cut to Gary Johnson, yeah. who looks sort of like... I mean, Gary Gary Johnson sort of looks like you mixed with Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, if you were, like, gussied up into being a boring presidential nominee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So after that clip, they cut to this. They cut to Gary Johnson, who's like, well, I, it's you're operating a car. I think I would like to see a little bit of uh, responsibility on the part of the state and while he's saying this the whole room is going boo (laughs) fuck you boo all these people in the audience who just really aren't good at driving just don't want to take their driver's test it's too hard oh my god (laughs) libertarians are such idiots it's just amazing that like Gary Johnson is the normal one in that scenario. Right. Like he's just like <laughs> compared to all the other like literal cartoon characters. <laughs> There's like shots of them all standing in a row and it's like cartoon character. It's like it's like cartoon goblin Harry Potter character yeah. like like person from a like person from a political cartoon that looks real cartoon character and then Gary Johnson yeah dude one for multiple murders and Belize. right and then, and then you have John McAfee who's like who's like i fucked whales right who's who and then you have John McAfee who's been tripping since 1955 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you want to know what John McAfee looks like uh, he looks like a guy that's he looks like the guy that you would want to repair your tractor. <laughs> he okay, you know the uh, you know Benny from the Atlantis movie, the explosions expert. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, look, I made the bridge. Right. He, imagine that guy. Imagine that guy, but he's been tripping on meth since 1955. <laughs> Just this like weathered person yeah. with like sort of a beret of hair and right. a, a like a and all of his hair is white. Right. He's like a white beret of hair and then like a, a comb mustache. <sighs> John McAfee publicly wishes to run again in 2020. Of course. Despite him and his entire campaign team being indicted on felony tax evasion charges. <laughs> That's it. Since, he has gone into self imposed exile <laughs> again. Again. You know, I'm tired of all this. I'm going back into exile. It's like, okay, John, you do that. <laughs> running his campaign from international waters, as well as various ports around the Mediterranean. Right. And so that's basically where his story ends. Like we we are now caught up in the world of John McAfee. But Evan, okay, I have a little game for you. <laughs> God. I'm going to read you a pair of tweets. Okay. One of them is real, and one of them is one I made up. Okay. Your job is to guess which of these is a real Gary Johnson tweet. Oh, uh, you mean uh, John, Mc- John McAfee? Oh, yeah, yeah, John McAfee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. hell, whatever. Okay, you ready? <laughs> I guess. <clears throat> is it... Try doing drugs, my friend. It will ease all your troubles. Or... In twenty in two thousand and six, I accidentally snorted a line of my own dandruff. The first one's real. Yes. <laughs> All right, I gotta do better than goof or goop. Re- reclaim some honor. Is it quote? The dollar will collapse by Christmas, and only the prepared few will have enough gold for Christmas presents. If you have, if you had any sense, you would be liquidating into gold like the rest of us. Ho, ho, motherfucking ho. <laughs> or. Bitcoin is now at $16,000. Uh, $16, Those of you in the old school who believe this is a bubble simply have not understood the new mathematics of blockchain or you did not care enough to try. Bubbles are mathematically impossible in this new <laughs> paradigm. So are, so are corrections and all else. The second one's real. Yes, you got it. <laughs> is it? Quote, This tweet cost 1000 $105,000 Surely that proves the financial probity Of the excellence Of the excellent founders of Hashtag poop emoji coin Or This tweet cost $105,000 Surely that proves the financial probity Of the excellent founders of Hashtag chungus coin uh, <laughs> The first one's real Yes <laughs> you're, you're three for three Alright Is it Quote 1 BTC will be at 500 at a half a million dollars within 3 years. If not, I will eat my own dick on national television. Or I've been weighing my cock every morning to prove that yoga makes it thicker. I know my haters <laughs> I know my haters thought it was just all noise, but read it and weep. What follows is a link to a Google spreadsheet containing meticulously recorded metrics for John McCarthy's dick in metric. The well, first one's real. Yes. <laughs> 4 for 4. This is tough. Is it? Quote. Are there such things as good fucks in the animal kingdom? Ever considered it? I mean, do female cows, for example, gossip like that bull with the white patch, best fuck I've ever had? Or of course sheep can have orgasms, you retard. <laughs> the second one's real. No, the first. <laughs> ver- <laughs> <laughs> Oh man You're still doing good You still You gotta be Okay (laughs) Okay. You're five for six Okay Is it Quote Fed's outside my house Right now Pretty sure the aircraft That flew overhead yesterday Was scanning for heat signatures From the BTC farm Come on in pigs (laughs) Or I apologize for my Three day absence But I was unconscious For two days At the Vident Medical Center In North Carolina And I just woke up My enemies managed To spike something That I ingested However, I am more difficult to kill than anyone can possibly imagine. I am back. The first one's real. No, the second Damn one's real. <laughs> 5 for 7. And, uh, okay. Is it, quote, They've tried and they've failed before. I am uncontainable. No zoo can hold the wild ape inside me. <laughs> or, Though I am a security expert, I have no control over Twitter's security. I have haters. I am a target. People make fake accounts, take screenshots, fake claims. I am a target for hackers who lost money and blame me. Please take responsibility for yourselves. Adults only, please. The second one's real. Yes. (sighs) All right, six for eight. And finally, is it, uh, for my followers, my recent tweets are less for you than they are for my pursuers. They are shots across the bow. Leave me... the leave me the fuck alone or go down with the corruption you have embraced because I will fucking bury you if you continue to if you continue. Doubt me at your own fucking risk. Or I'm fucking Magneto, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second one's real. No, the first one's real. Damn Hey, you passed. I'm still a, a barely passing grade. And that that concludes the story of John McAfee. Oh man, well. Wow that was, I was, I could never have predicted the madness that just ensued (laughs) there was, okay I was, I really struggled doing this episode because like, there were so many tangents I could have gone on here, but like if I picked one, it would have turned like a 50 minute episode (laughs) into a into a 90 minute episode exactly, like the whole stuff about the sex workers, you could probably do like a Mini podcast He's, series on that There were so many interviews yeah. <laughs> John McAfee fucked a lot Get uh, John Ronson to do a, a like a sequel to the butterfly effect uh, Oh my god It was No, this story is Like There is so much here <laughs> Yeah, that is insane And like just Just going through his Twitter is exhausting Right It's like He, he does like he does like crypto of the day where he like endorses a new cryptocurrency every day. Every day. Every, like, he has a new one every single day. And he's always talking about like the newest, like, he was super into like Facebook's cryptocurrency a while. Think Libra. Called. Libra, yeah. yeah. And whatever that other one was, uh, Electronium. Right. And, like, none of which went anywhere. Like, BTC has always been a huge fucking bubble. Yeah. (laughs) I love this tweet, like, bubbles are not mathematically possible in this new market. Like, (laughs) that's not how fucking... That's not how commodity currencies work, you fucking idiot. Right. Like, I've designed a system where bubbles don't exist. Oh, it's like that is physically not possible. Yeah, right. While you exist... Like, that's not exist... It's not possible in a scarcity-based economy. Yeah. Oh, God. It's oh, just shit. I don't know how... Like, he feels like a fictional character. He like, it really... It's, but it's almost like... You can't write this stuff. Like, you can't make uh, this stuff up. It's, like... Reading his Twitter makes me realize where Drill gets a lot of his inspiration from. <laughs> yeah. Like, so much... It's just, like, the cadence of how he talks sounds like the sort of persona behind the Drill tweets. Right. <laughs> this whole thing of like, well you were quote unquote gaming, I was behind a waterfall trying seven hundred different wines and f- crying into a <laughs> shaman's arms. Right. He's like he, he's like Gary Johnson plus Joe Exotic plus Jeffrey Epstein. That that's plus, <laughs> like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> With like a like a added like X ingredient. Like when he, he's like he's like Joe Exotic meets Elon Musk. Yeah, right. But, like, with something far more... Sinister? But, he, but, like, Joe Exotic plus Elon Musk, who took a bag of DMT in the 60s and has never stopped tripping. I think that's part of why he sounds like a cartoon character. Yeah. Is that he's not living in reality. It's yeah, like he's, totally. he's living in a cartoon world. <laughs> <laughs> he, and so he talks like a cartoon character. Yeah. It's insane. Well, thank you for that. That was very uh, strange and wonderful. I'm... <laughs> In many ways, I'm glad this episode is over now. Yeah. <laughs> some of them you just gotta get through because it's just it's just a lot. Yeah, it really it is. is. Oh my god. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter at d a o c cast, Instagram at desperate acts of capitalism, and Tumblr at desperateactsofcapitalism.tumblr.com. And remember, next week's episode is up right this moment on our Patreon. Join us there for bonus content, including an entire second podcast, Business Desserts, where Evan and I talk about current business news and whatever we feel like talking about that week. And thank you so much for listening. We love you. Big things are coming.